This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Are we on? Good. Uh, listen, thank you everyone for coming back again for our series on reopening Italy. I am privileged, truly privileged today to have us Sylvia with us as a guest who's a good friend of our producer, Stephanie Longo. They go back many years and Stephanie was able to bring Sylvia into our orbit because Sylvia works in the tourism industry in Sardinia. You know, Sardinia has taken off. It is the Emerald Isle of the Mediterranean. With the Costa Smeralda, you know, it's really become a European destination, a hotspot for tourism. So we had the privilege of speaking earlier in the series with Giuseppe Alloy, who's working out of Calabria, who told us about how tourism is going to be different, how just traveling to Italy is going to be different with the restrictions, the current restrictions with coronavirus. Now we have Sylvia on because Sylvia's giving us a different perspective. Sylvia's going to talk to us a little bit about, I don't want to say the word threats, but some of the dangers that could come with reopening Italy and bringing people from the outside. As we just saw, it seems like New Zealand as we tape in this, it's getting a little bit of a bump back in cases because they're starting to open up their borders. So with that, Sylvia, I want to welcome you. Sylvia, why don't you introduce yourself to all our happy listeners out there and tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi there, everyone. I'm Sylvia and I'm Italian. <laughs> um, I live in the north of Sardinia, uh, but I'm a world traveler. I've always considered myself citizen of the world. Uh, so I always try to to have a wider perspective on things but i don't know should i talk about the covid situation or in general the idea of the podcast is how is italy handling reopening after the coronavirus so how have things changed what's going to change as far as the coronavirus is concerned the situation has changed a lot over the past two weeks because like in my region uh, during the winter, there's virtually nobody coming in. I mean, it's just mostly residents getting in and out uh, for work reasons, mostly, or for work or for just for leisure. Um, but it's usually May that tourists are literally flooding in because all of Sardinia actually is famous for its beaches and its water and. So we have both Italian and international tourists, usually. Um, this year, of course, I mean, things are slightly different because, of course, I mean, all borders were shut up until June because, yeah, the reopening officially in Italy uh, started in May, but still people uh, could only move around within their own regions, but they couldn't travel around the country. But uh, starting from June, yes, they can do it. So um, we were all very worried because we know how things get over here in the summertime uh, that we get lots of tourists, which on the one hand, of course, is good because we need the money. And I mean, people were already getting desperate here because the majority of people live um, tourism here. So, I mean, people are worried because we weren't as badly uh, hit by the virus as other regions, of course. So let's say that the situation always stayed under control. 
even in during the peak of the pandemic. Now, as far as, uh, I mean, how things have changed, of course, I mean, as all over Italy, there's measures to follow, like um, restaurants can sit many people now, restaurants. That's a problem, of course. I mean, many restaurants say that, said that they won't even uh, reopen because uh, it wouldn't be worth it. And then the beaches, that's the main problem because uh, most Sardinian beaches are uh, free. <laughs> so, for instance, in Emilia Romagna, uh, most beaches, you have to pay to get in. But, of course, I mean, they're equipped. So it's so, and, and they're huge, the beaches. So it's much easier to distance groups of people. But in Sardinia, since we have free beaches, everything gets more complicated because beaches are small. So how are you supposed to distance people? We have to wait and see what happens in July and August because that's when usually beaches are packed with people. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they're going to deal with it. Um, our friend Giuseppe Aloy, he, you know, he put up so many great points. You know, certain hotels in the regions he deals with, luxury hotels, they don't have the margins where they can be at 50% capacity. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Or 25% where they can't afford, you know, really a deep cleaning, a constant deep cleaning every day of the hotel room. And so a lot of them have decided, listen, I just, I'm going to take a hit this year because I'm going to wind up losing money if I reopen. Yeah. Do you think in the same way, do you see, A, I have two questions. A, do you see the same feeling in, in Sardinia saying, listen, this is going to be too much of a headache reopening under these conditions? I'm just going to take the hit of the loss and not open this year because I'll lose money. And B, do you think that a lot of owners might say, well, even though economically I could just get by this year, I just don't want to risk getting the virus by dealing with people from the outside who will be coming into the island and might be bringing the coronavirus? Uh, well, um, I don't work at a hotel or at a restaurant. But, but I'm I saying you're, that- you're engaged with that. You deal with these people because you're a... You're a Travel influencer, if I'm correct. Yeah, I mean, I know because, for instance, I have uh, a home in like a, a sea house. So uh, I know uh, how it used to be every year, and I've been there and I've noticed how different things are. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, my favorite pizzeria, like pizza place, it hasn't opened yet. And uh, it used to, to open around April. And that's because they usually work with uh, foreigners mostly or with people from other Italian regions because locals, they don't really go there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they figured that it would be best to, to wait, you know, because it wouldn't be worth it to open in June or since, I mean, uh, they knew they would only get very few people. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of restaurants who uh, haven't opened yet. So I guess, and I mean, generally, I know there's uh, a bit all over Italy, um, there, I don't know the percentage, but I know there's some hotels that uh, didn't, didn't open yet. And I don't know whether they will or not. And, uh, but that was the first question. As far as point B is concerned, no, I don't think so. I don't think they would worry about that um, because they need to, they actually need to work. Uh, I guess the problem with Italy is that uh, we're not a rich country, like we're not Germany. So um, people need to work. Your country is savers. You got a Zotta Matarazzo money in Italy. (laughs) 
yeah, and there's a strong black market. No, but and I say that with pride. If you look at the yeah. books, Italy does much better zotta matarazza than anybody knows. <laughs> yeah, Am I right or wrong? <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the, I don't know, like, uh, we were the first, we were probably the worst hit country, at least in the beginning, because then Spain and even England did worse than us, but uh, still we were the first to reopen everything. I mean, uh, our, our borders are already open to all uh, the European Union citizens, and, and I mean, they can get in completely unchecked. On the other hand, we can't really leave the country i think they're going to start reopening their borders to italians in a few days but we were the only ones and that's because in my opinion we need the money <laughs> italy's desperate for the money italy's absolutely yeah i think for it's worth money but i think honestly from my perspective if i don't know i was a well, bit I, skeptical about it because i mean the uk for instance they were still going through uh, they had a lot of cases in the beginning of june so how can you possibly think of letting people in completely unchecked i don't know but anyways yeah. oh, no, i i said about italy with finances because i think that a lot of people have said you know greeks don't have the savings that italians do you know italy italians you know sparanya they're good at it And the reason I bring it up is that 2008 financial collapse and the, the change when Italy entered the Euro in 2000, Italy has kept draining the family money. So grandma lent a little bit of money for this. I'd see lent a little money for that. And that kind of reserve, from my perspective, what I've seen is less. Let me ask you this. Do you feel personally and do you feel as your generation or the island of Sardinia that the European Union has helped Italy in this crisis? Do you think that the criticisms mm -hmm. against the EU are fair, justified, unjustified? What's your opinion on this? Mm, that's a hard question, really. <laughs> because uh, I think, um, okay, first off, it's too early to say because we have to wait. Uh, apparently, they promised money. Uh, they're supposed to, to give Italy some money to recover from this crisis. But I don't know. We have to wait and see if that actually uh, comes true. <laughs> so I wouldn't know about that um, as yet. So do you feel the jury, as we would say in English, the jury is still out on Europe's participation? Do you think there's a growing sense of resentment in Italy toward the EU? Or you think that that, that could all kind they of pass? They have to fight. You know, they have to fight every time. In my opinion, they have to fight too much. It should be more uh it should be easier you know to uh, almost automatic you know to help out countries in need if they, if it's not their fault of course i mean this virus thing wasn't a fault uh, we're just uh, very much unlucky because i mean i don't know why some other countries like greece for instance were in, i mean almost uh, i think they had very few cases it's incredible it's was. absolutely incredible i look at the numbers yeah. and i uh, can't I understand why. how greece I guess maybe, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any kind of medical background. Maybe it was circulating in Italy for a longer period of time. I don't yeah, know. That's I agree with sure. you. It's that's really sure, uncanny, I would say, to figure out yeah. why some places got hit much harder than others. Now, let me ask you another question. You've lived all over Italy. How do you see Sardinia different from the rest of Italy? And But do you in think... In this situation? In general and in this situation. So, in, in you know, Lombardia got hit so hard. Sardinia didn't get hit the way that Lombardia did. So for the Americans who don't really understand the cultural differences between Sardinia and mainland Italy, maybe give them a little bit of explanation on how those two areas are different and how they handle the virus in a different way. 
Mm, okay, so first off, uh, Lombardia was the worst hit region in Italy. And then there were two more regions, actually three more regions, which were uh, right after it. Uh, Piemonte, Veneto, and Emilia-Romagna, which, I mean, they're all in the north. And then there were, yeah, and there were a few more. Uh, the south was generally less struck by the virus. I don't know why, maybe because we took it in time. Uh, in Lombardia, and in the northern part of Italy in general, as you said, the virus had been circulating already uh, for a long time, probably. And the majority of people move around with public transport. Uh, they have the uh, most... In, in Lombardia. So you say in Lombardia. Yeah. Okay. Lombardia, but also the northern regions, like the uh, border regions, they have the best uh, railway system. Or in, they also have um, many subway lines in Milan. So uh, I think that was one of the problems because we know that public transport helps um, spreading the virus. That's what happened in New York as well. I think uh, you I... could compare New York and Los Angeles maybe. I, so I think that was one, uh, one factor. And then, of course... Yeah, I mean, Sardinia, it's an island. So, I, I mean, we had it easier in a way, at least when the country was put in quarantine. Yeah, you make a great point because um, everyone I've talked to in the medical profession seems to keep saying people from this area, from outside, that they think that my area got hit so, so hard because there's such a use of public transportation. Mm -hmm. So between buses yeah. and subways, it was just a perfect incubator to spread this. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a point I never thought of, that Lombardia, people in Lombardia use a lot of public transportation. Yeah. Compared to rural Sardinia. Within the region itself, within the, and between those regions, like, there's lots of people commuting every day, even between regions, because, I mean, it's only sometimes even one hour, just in one hour ride um, between Lombardia and Emilia-Romagna or Piemonte, Veneto. And on top of that, people weren't using masks in the beginning because, I mean, we know that they weren't mandatory. So, I mean, people were just, you know, moving around, walking around, even in public transport without masks for a long time. So I think that helped in spreading the virus, definitely. Now, I have two more questions for you. You bring up masks. Um, if you yeah. walk around the streets where you live, around the island, do you see people wearing masks? Are they being careful? Mm -hmm. Or is the attitude, oh, it's over now, we can go back to the way we used to live? Okay, so first off, um, masks are, are only mandatory indoors. So if you're getting into a restaurant or into um, a grocery store, you have to wear a mask. And that was from the very beginning. I mean, from in when quarantine started. Yeah. Right now, if you're walking outside, you don't really need to wear a mask. You're not required. Only in Lombardia, Yes, it's different. But you have, I think they're going to have to wear it until uh, the 30th of June. And in Piemonte, for instance, until uh, mid-July. But the majority of the regions, no, it's not mandatory. Um, but still, uh, they say it's recommended if you're walking, if you're passing through crowded places, for instance, if you're walking through the center of the city. Personally, uh, yeah, I mean, I see over here, I see people wearing it and people not wearing it. Um, like uh, up until last month, I wasn't wearing it outside because as I said, I mean, there, were, there was virtually anybody, so it wasn't really necessary. But now... Like if I'm walking through the city center, yes, I'll be using it. 
because of course i mean you don't know there's so many tourists and you hear all sorts of accents and there's even foreigners now we get a lot of germans so i mean who knows really in my humble opinion it would be best if the government uh, had made the uh, mask use mandatory because i mean you can't take this thing lightly uh, let's see, i mean just see what happened what happened in china in beijing what's happening right now and they had gotten to zero cases and in Lombardy, I mean, we still have uh, this 73% of the new cases every day are in Lombardia. Like today, I was, checking, I was checking the numbers just, I mean, just now. And it says, I think, 329 new cases. And of those, 242, I think, are in Lombardia. Wow. That's, it, it's, so, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's always like that. I, I understand a lot of what you're saying because I feel that coming from the New York area, people yeah. in parts of the United States think that this is not serious because they don't know anyone that's affected. Think of like Molise yes. or Basilicata. You know, it's a disease that's far away. And I'm in the middle of it. And I feel that parts of the United States, just they don't take it seriously because they don't see what I've seen. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that I can understand that because I'm in a place where people are taking it much more seriously here than in other parts of the country. But even that being said, there's a lot of people where I live. Some people think that it's just a bad case of the flu that was totally overhyped, a total exaggeration. And some people are taking it very, very seriously. And they're not going out unless they absolutely have to. And they wear masks everywhere. So you have two very separate camps. And sometimes these people argue. They argue online, on social media. They argue in conversations. And it's almost like a political Sylvia, do you see that in Sardinia amongst your friends, amongst your family, where some people say, mm -hmm. oh, it's not that bad. I'm not going to wear a mask. And some people say, don't come over my house if you don't have a mask on or you're not social distancing. Or, are there arguments, people divided on the severity of this disease and, and how to handle it? I think it's something happening more all over the country. I don't know about Sardinia specifically, uh, but I know, I mean, if I go online, if I check social networks, uh, I don't really read those comments, but I've seen uh, people saying that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just claiming that it's just a bad case of the flu. But I've got to say that um, it changed a lot. Like in the beginning, before uh, this whole pandemic thing uh, started in Italy, there were lots of people, uh, even doctors saying that um, it wasn't true, it wasn't real, that it wasn't as bad uh, as they were making it sound like. But Right now, I mean, everybody saw what happened in Italy. So I think there's very, very few people that are still, you know, skeptic about it. But this said, I think that the majority of people in Italy have gone back to normal. They're not really thinking about the virus anymore. I mean, they've resumed their lives. They're going to restaurants. They're going to the gym. They're going swimming. They're, you know, leaving on holiday. They're doing just whatever they used to do before. Um, there's still a small percentage of people who are extra careful and they do no I mean not setting food out of the house I don't think so uh, right now because the situation seems to be out of control I think in the US is different because in New York for I mean the situation is still pretty bad at least you know the numbers are still pretty yeah, high. 100%. people dying 
so I think that's got uh, that effect, you know, uh, people, of course. I mean, because we keep hearing now we've, we've been hearing this thing uh, like positive uh, messages from the news for a month, for almost two months now. So I think that people, they're just most people are just forgetting about it altogether. And that's a big mistake, in my opinion, because I'm more for middle ground, you know. Because the virus, the virus is still out there. So, uh, yeah, I think it would be best for people to be a little bit more, um, you know, um, maybe not so uh, reckless, you know. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you one last question, Sylvia. You know, Italy's gone through so many governments. You know, it's, it's the joke of many, mm -hmm. you know. Italy, since, since, uh, since the post-war years, has gone through so many governments. Governments come, yeah. governments go. How do you feel the Italian government has done on the coronavirus? How has the national government handled itself? Do you have a different perspective now than before? No, honestly, I think uh, they should have handled things in a different way in the beginning. Like they should have closed uh, closed off Lombardia, um, like put the whole Lombardia in quarantine from day one, and that would have, you know, probably slowed down the epidemic. Uh, at least you know Lombardy and a couple of more regions. Uh, instead, they um, put Lombardia in quarantine at the same time as the whole country. So that was a mistake because they totally underestimated it uh, from the very beginning. At first, because like back in February, uh, before they discovered the first case, because they thought that it was just, I mean, that it was it was something far away that it would never get here. And then after the first case, because um, they just, uh, you know, stalled for time, basically, because of course, I mean, it was a huge step to take. Um, but still, I mean, they had China's example. So, I mean, in my, in my opinion, they could have done things better. But, I mean, on the other hand, we were the first ones, the first, uh, like, Western country to go through something like that. So, that's probably uh yeah i mean uh one point for that <laughs> but um yeah i mean uh, right now i think they probably should have uh, gone i mean through this phase two and phase three a little bit more gradually but yeah i mean let's see what happens i mean they got a lot of pressure from all sides from uh, businessmen from um you know uh, other politicians and so from their own party um, because they kept reopening, we need to reopen, we need to reopen. And so in the end, I think they had to cave in. Sylvia, I want to thank you very, very much. I have never been to Sardinia, but it is on my do <laughs> list. Hopefully next year. When I've, I've, wor I've worked with people yeah. from your region who are just the, they are the nicest. It's, you come from a wonderful group of people. And I'm sure if the country is half as beautiful as the Sardinian people, it will be a true paradise. Yeah, so with thank that, you. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. Um, I wish you all the best, as I do all the world, as we as we uh, soldier through this horrific, horrific pandemic. So thank you very much thank for coming you on. Thank you for inviting and, me. Yes, <laughs> and thank you, Stephanie Longo, for bringing Sylvia into our podcast family. And uh, until we speak again, thank you very much and have a good day.